0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Amy McFarlane. She's the founder and CEO at Rec- Recreational Respite. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think you're you're doing something kind of really cool and innovative in kind of the social entrepreneurial space. and i I think that that's really cool and I think kind of inspiring to other people that are looking to do something similar, maybe in in a social space kind of in their lives. But maybe before we kind of get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: Sure. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Okay. Um, I spent most of my childhood there. My teen years were then out in the suburbs of, you know, the greater Toronto area <laughs> sure. still. And then I uh, left school, traveled the world for a few years to kind of figure out what and who I was. Um, don't know that I really figured that out in all my travels, but it sure
0: was fun. Well, no, sure, that's all and, that matters, um, right, at that, at that point? Right, in that,
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, learned a lot about other people, and I think that's where my fascination started for social work, like social enterprise kind of work, um, social services to serve others and and, and that kind of thing. So I, the experience of travel and, and diversity, sure. right, and cultural aspects were really, I was always fascinated by that. So um, traveled a bit, came home. Settled down, you know, did the whole got married, had kids. And then when my daughter was four months old, I um, started my company recreational respite and my son was three. So it was really busy times, probably not the greatest time to start a business, but But (laughs) it it seemed like a good idea at the
0: time. No, that's that's fair. I I think the interesting thing and um, I have two kids myself and I find that now I like, I'm obviously busier like yourself, but I live and die by a calendar and I make time for things. So like, I actually probably accomplish yeah. more now that I'm busier than I did in my twenties when I was just kind of playing video games or, or whatever in the evenings yeah. and weekends. So <laughs> yeah,
1: it, I totally understand that.
0: So that's funny, but you, you went to kind of a bunch of universities. Do you want me, want to walk me and the listener through kind of your, you know, university college That's kind half, of career? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't traditional, to say the least. I did not go to school in sort of a four year term, sure. um, one time sort of setting. I kind of broke it up. I didn't go back, I, I did some college courses in a diploma program um bef- just after I'd gotten back from traveling the world and I happened to be in the IT space at that time when um internet web server certificates had become a thing where you could start to do online banking so I was part of a very critical turning point in the in the IT world so I was so far from <laughs> from healthcare at that time but I it was a sort of a trip to a hospital and I had seen some bedside manner and some uh some professionals in the hospital setting that said, Hey, you know, I don't belong in front of the computer with my personality. I really want to work with people and serve people. So I ended up going back to university and doing courses kind of here and there, because I also had my newborn son at the sure. time as well. Um, so I was kind of managing that whole thing, getting on the subway, going to um, to school at Ryerson, doing some courses at McMaster in Hamilton um, and then finally, you know, a few years passed, quite a few years passed, sure. and finally, I'd completed some health science work, specialized in some of my placement time and part-time work in North Ortho Rehab, Neuro re- Rehab, and um, complex mental health, and I really started to love that. So I started to finally find a path of like going into healthcare, and identifying more of what I wanted to do, ultimately, long term, which was to serve individuals who had a variety of needs,
0: really. Sure, no, but I think that's kind of inspiring in itself, because I think some people, at least, that I've met um, over the years, are so scared to like go back to school, even if it's part-time, or night course, or full-time, or it doesn't really matter, like once they have kids, right? And I think yeah that's inspiring that you did that and then you kind of built a startup and then a social startup on top of that I think that's really inspiring to people so let's kind of get into the company more and what made you decide to kind of found recreational respite
1: so I had been experiencing different things over the course of my younger years as most of us do the loss of grandparents the loss of of friends in school, you know, all of these sort of traumatic and tragic events. And I remember always thinking about the sadness of the lost individual, but what about their families? Like, where do they go from here? You know, how do they reintegrate back into the community? How do they go back to work? You know, like after they lose. Their daughter, their son, I mean, in in my high school, we had quite a few deaths in our graduating year, from like anything from drunk driving to um, boat accidents to just recklessness, wow. right um, and and I remember thinking like this can't be normal, you know, <laughs> like there can't be this many kids. 18 years of age that are losing their lives every summer. But, you know, as you grow up, you realize that these things happen, right? Sure, yeah. So this tragedy was kind of around me, and I realized that, like, I just really, really cared. I really, really gave a care about these families and how they were coping. Like where do they go from here sure. really ultimately? And my cousin also had some disabilities that kind of went undiagnosed until she was closer to 27. Oh, wow. Cause my own family was going through lots of their own denial, um, And really just no knowledge as to how to navigate the system to find out what was going on with her. You know, the school system had failed them. The community system had failed them. There was no services in place like we have now, you know, 27 years ago, from now even. So we've come a long way, but... When I started doing my placement hours as a personal support worker, because that's kind of where I started, sure. um, I started to really see the recreation therapists and how they were engaging with patients. And their role was to identify ways to engage someone who'd been affected by these major traumas. In in some cases, they were motor vehicle accidents, and these, you know, young and old patients um, had to be reintegrated into society. Sure, and. The rec therapist took on those roles, and that to me was fascinating because they were doing it through avenues of recreation and leisure. They weren't doing it through avenues of medical models, right? They weren't doing it through, we're going to fix your legs so that you can walk again, which is all very critical, don't get me wrong. But I just loved the fact that they were looking at this holistic person going, hmm, what did they enjoy? What's their sense of worth, their role, their purpose? How do we identify that? And then how do we use that as a tool to integrate them successfully back into their communities, their families, their work life, their school life, whatever it may be? Sure. So that's the start of recreational respite was working as a PSW and understanding that recreation and leisure was so much more important than I had ever imagined. I mean the psychosocial needs of an individual is critical, right?
0: Sure, totally. You know,
1: with, without, without connectivity, without accessibility, without being included, we have so many mental health concerns. Sure. So you can only imagine those that are already coming to us with those challenges. How do we get them, you know, um, active in the
0: community? No, I, I 100% agree. And I, I think there, it seems to be kind of at the forefront a little bit more and kind of the media and the general public are kind of, it seems like being more and more aware of kind of different kind of um, issues that kind of come up with people and, and kind of disabilities and kind of accessibility. Everything seems to kind of be at the forefront now. Um, and I know like um, Bell kind of across Canada runs like a, a mental health this day and Bell for people that don't know what that is, they're just like a cell phone right. carrier in Canada. And so there's a lot, you know, I think like there's a lot of even kind of big name companies kind of trying to promote it as well. Um, have, have you found yeah. that at least or do you, do you agree with that?
1: So here's a bit of a funny twist in my story. Um, in, in along the path of my own existence of recreational respite and having a family uh, and building business and, you know, fast forward many years later, I, I experienced my own trauma okay. and loss of my own partner. Okay. And so when we started to talk about things like Let's Talk, I really started to become even more passionate and more of an advocate for Let's Talk every day. So for me, this really drove that passion and advocacy um, to do more about having people understand that mental health is an issue that every day. Um, And as a survivor of losing someone to mental health, um, I know how important it is to remember them every day. So, um, you know, I think the campaigns have good intentions. You know, I think they're important for those that aren't exposed and thank God that they're not. Right. I mean, this isn't something you you wish for people to experience. Definitely. Um, But yeah, I mean, there needs to be more around such things instead of end the stigma. Let's educate You know, people need to be educated about what it means, what mental health is, um, and how do we interact and engage with these individuals who do have mental health? Um, You know, so we're not talking about stigma anymore. We're building inclusive environments. That's really what we need to be doing.
0: Sure. And The other thing... Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, that's okay. No, no, on a bigger scale. That's all. That's
2: all I wanted. say. Yeah.
0: but, but I think you guys kind of do more than just kind of mental health stuff as well. And, and one of the main reasons I really wanted to have you on the show is just getting people to think about kind of um, accessibility in their kind of apps and their software and in their hardware hmm. and kind of just in their daily lives, because it's something that's kind of come across my desk on certain projects over the years. Um, and it's always kind of been fascinating to me to actually kind of use the internet, for example, as somebody with a different disability, or you, know, you watch somebody use a screen reader or a joystick or kind of stuff like that. And you know, like Apple and Google are doing a decent job. I think Apple kind of better than Google and they're kind of playing a bit of catch up on kind of accessibility. But you watch somebody that with like a certain disability use an iPhone with the accessibility stuff, they could do a lot and that I never even would have kind of thought about or, or you know, like as, yep. right? And so yep. you're kind of doing a startup to help people with these kind of different disabilities and kind of in the accessibility space, but then, you know, you're also kind of an entrepreneur. So it's kind of this like interesting kind of angle that you're you're coming at the kind of space with, right? And I think it's yeah. interesting to maybe dive a little bit deeper into all the other kind of things that you guys do. um,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So, I mean, recreational respite, basically when we started out, we were developing one-to-one services. So our recreation therapist, which actually is a university degree. Um, it's a four-year university degree program, um, and then after that, they specialize in different areas, children, youth, adults, older adults, psychogeriatrics, et cetera, mental health, and and, and so forth. Um, so our programs started with a recreation therapist, which actually was me, um, sure. <laughs> meeting yeah. with clients one-to-one. And mostly they were seniors, a lot of them with Alzheimer's. Okay. And so the goal was to identify ways to make their respite more meaningful. Uh, okay. So they were having you know, care workers come in that were helping them with activities of daily living, bathing, showering, cooking, cleaning, that sort of thing. Sure. But they weren't stimulating them. Uh And stimulating and engaging them can help deter from some of the negative behaviors, from the decline um, in health, the conditions, changes, of course. You know, if you you think about this in your own way, when we're healthy, we can do anything we want. We can make a decision to go for a run. We can make a decision not to. (laughs) We can make a decision to do whatever we want. When we have those inabilities because of impairment or challenge or disease or disorder, Um, we don't engage, right? Therefore, we're not reaching our full potential as individuals. Therefore, we start to lose our sense of role, our worth, our purpose. Like, for example, if you and I were sick Mm -hmm. and we couldn't go out for eight weeks because we've got broken feet, Mm -hmm. right? That's debilitating. It's very debilitating. The only thing that pushes us forward is knowing that in eight weeks from now, our feet will be better and we'll be able to make those choices again for ourselves. Sure. So that's where we started, was one-to-one services working with um, older adults. That quickly evolved into working with children and youth because, of course, we have a large number of individuals with autism, with other intellectual and developmental disabilities as well. Um, and so now we're a full service for children, youth, adults that range in the needs of autism to depression to post-traumatic stress disorder, um, to Alzheimer's, and to complex mental health. So anyone, anyone that has an inability to engage or participate in their community would be someone that we would work with. Sure. And we work on specific goals. So that's our service base started there. Gotcha. Then we started to realize that these individuals really wanted an opportunity to come together in a group setting for more of an inclusive opportunity. Yep. So we started to develop group programs within our own client base. Okay. So we would, yeah. So we would form programs anywhere from computer classes to art classes to photography classes to cooking classes to um, Lego groups to you name it, based on the needs of the individuals, based on their abilities, based on their interests, and based on their geographic location. Sure. And we would host these small groups in a variety of neighborhoods and the groups would be as small as 5 and as big as 8 no bigger than that okay. because we still ultimately wanted to work towards goals for everyone that was within that group okay sure. so so the same thing as our one to one service but in a group setting so that they were getting the other social aspect of of the benefits of the therapy sure that quickly started to evolve with partnerships of not for profit um, stature and basically, the not-for-profits were saying, "Hey, we don't necessarily have the skill in in place, you know, but we have a little bit of funding. How can we work together yes. to maximize our programs and services for our clients?"
2: Sure.
1: So we started to pair up, and That's awesome. we started, to, yeah. So we started to partner with places like Autism Ontario and specific chapters within Ontario. We started to, to partner with the Canadian Armed Forces, oh, wow. who said. We've, we've got children whose parents have post-traumatic stress disorder. Children need to be equipped with how to engage their parents, and sure. we, can't, we don't know how to do that through recreation, but you guys do. So can you develop a program and run it, and can we create a building capacity piece within that to train our staff so that moving forward they can do more goal-driven programs? Sure. So that's the evolution of rec Resfet in a nutshell, the one-to-one services, then the group programs. Then I became, um, you know, word spreads fast. The grapevine grows stronger. That's awesome. And I was asked to go to the Middle East as ah. an expert in this field. And I was asked to go and speak um, and teach as well at an adult day center that, in, that they have in Kuwait City, which is on our website. All of this stuff is on our website. Sure. Um, and and my role there was to build capacity again. So teach the staff there what to do with their clients based on their clients' needs, abilities, interests, and strengths, because they were still doing Duplo puzzles and primary gotcha. um, primary blocks, right?
2: Sure. And
1: they were and these individuals that I was working with in the Gulf War were those of children of the Gulf War. Oh wow. So there were lots of complex needs. We had deformities. We had complex mental health. We had comorbidity comorbid- issues um, and lots of developmental issues. So they really were – they were they had great intentions and a beautiful program, but their staff just weren't equipped with the recreation and leisure piece at all.
0: Got you. Yeah. So-
1: and so we started to do more of that international work. No, I um, I love that. I think yeah. that's great. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. No, keep going. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. I keep. No, it's okay. This, but.
1: It's okay. It's okay. So that's sort of where the international work started. And all the while we're still managing our group partners and we're running programs for, um, you know, like the town of Newmarket. Uh, They have like a YMCA setting, but they don't have programs for special needs kids. Right. So they said, Hey, like, let's bring you guys in. You run your programs out of our facility. Um, Let's make this work and make it accessible. So we're creating accessible communities as well. And this is a really big important um, thing, which then started to evolve into more of the accessibility and inclusion work that I've um, been embarking on internationally and a little bit more closer to home as of late over the past three or four years now. Sure. So that work is basically taking all the premise and all the ideas and all the tools that we use with our clients and their families every day and empowering others with that knowledge. So Now we're able to go and train summer camp staff how to identify invisible special needs like mental health, anxiety disorders, sensory processing disorders. All of these things that they're starting to see, but they're not equipped with how to deal with these kids, how to work with them. So we thought this is interesting because we do this every day. So why not bring this knowledge to them? this is what you might see in your camp, this is how to redirect them, this is how to engage them, here's some tools to use, to physically use, that can help you so that you can successfully include these kids in all of your programming. Sure. So so that's, yeah, that's been the accessibility and inclusion work that we've been doing.
0: So how much of this, are you guys leveraging any technology with this, or, or how, because How do you guys kind of, like, what kind of tools are they? Are they kind of like physical things? Is it using some technology? Or what exactly kind of are the tools?
1: So some of the tools for this particular work is lots of visual aids. Mm -hmm. So using, like, we've created cue cards, and we're using PECS, which is a pictorial um, education card. So it helps them use the card to identify what it is that you're asking of them. You know, if they're nonverbal, if there's communication boundaries, Um, or, you know, challenges for whatever reason. But recreational respite did embark on developing an app, excitingly enough. Now, the app that we've created allows for individuals to use the app. So say their families or professionals who are working with these kids and families, they can basically type in their geographic area Mm -hmm. and the age of child that maybe they have as a parent and their needs and what their interests are. And the app will notify them every time a program pops up in their community under that criteria.
0: That's very cool.
1: So the app is still in um, process. So we've been, we're about a year and a half in to the app. So of course, as you know, it takes time. Um, And it's sort of in its own testing phase right now, but it it will be free to use. And because we're a Canadian based company, the programs listed will be Canadian based. However, the resources listed will be accessible by anyone all over the world.
0: That's awesome. No, I, I yeah. think that's So anyone great. can, yeah. And the thing that I always kind of found fascinating about kind of you when we first connected was you're, you're kind of like, you're not really in the tech space at all, but to your point, like you're using, you're building an app, you're kind of helping people, you're giving back, you're, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're doing a startup. Um, you know, you're, you're caring about accessibility and I want to kind of get back to the accessibility thing, um, in a second, but you're doing a lot of kind of mentoring as well. And so kind of, how did you get into that? And maybe, do you want to maybe cover a little bit of the companies that you're, you've been kind of mentoring?
1: So I think again, because we are a a for-profit social enterprise organization, we had a great deal of walls. Okay. The barriers around working with not for profits and for profits. There are still a great many silos.
2: Sure. And those
1: silos unfortunately exist, but they create an, a barrier to accessible programming. Sure. And that's the unfortunate part. So for me, you know, because this is totally a socially based um, uh, program and service. We try to make services as accessible without the dollar factor gotcha. as possible. And the best way to do that was to partner with organizations that need the expertise, but don't, yeah. like they, do, they don't have it. But they have to, But it's part of their mandate to provide certain programs and services as well, right? Sure. So to, have, to, to then partner with them, like the Canadian military, um, out of one of their bases they say you know we've got staff to run it but they're not necessarily equipped to identify some of the evolving needs of their participants um so it's it's you know and then the salvation army we worked with them for a little bit as well same thing these are teams of like developmental service workers and social service workers these are people that are educated and have skills but their focus isn't on recreation and leisure Right. right? Their focus is on a different a- a- avenue of life skills. And life skills is very critical, of course. Um, so that's why we partner. This is not a competitive uh, edge at all. This is completely a collaborative approach. That's and good. that's how we would hope anyone would see it. Yeah. So that's how we would form those partnerships and say, hey, we have this set of expertise and skills. Are you interested in having your team members have more of these same tools? Um, and or more programs so that your members are accessing you even more. Because we're at such a loss right now, right? Not-for-profits sure. are losing even more funding. They're doing even less. Um, leaving these families to nothing. There's no other options for them.
0: No, I, I, it's a problem, I, right? I, I totally agree. That, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So do you charge mm-hmm. them to work with them, or does it depend? Or, or how do you guys kind of, you know, obviously fund yourself?
1: Yeah, so we we have, like, either a flat rate, so we'll Mm -hmm. say to the organization, hey, for this flat rate, um, we'll run a program for eight weeks, and that eight-week program will include all of the materials, our staff, a training component. I got you. And you open it up to your clients. And sometimes they'll say, well, you can open it up to yours as well. Because, of course, our clients are often good prospects for them, right, for future, for their programs. So we'll open it up. And within that, we'll get enough people to run the program. And then either they'll fund the flat rate per session, which could be as little as $150 a session. Nice. Um, right. I mean, it's super cheap, and they had, can have up to ten to fifteen people in that session. Sure. So there's lots of opportunity here, um, and then the training part is part of that. So they can include their volunteers, their students, their staff, whoever, anyone that's working with their their members. Anyone can take part and get the tools that they need.
0: Sure. No, that's that's. great. But that's how we fund it. Yeah. No, that's great. So. You mentioned kind of earlier that you, you actually do um, a lot of kind of mentoring. Um, do you maybe kind of want to talk a bit about what you do for and help with people and, and kind of why you decided to actually become a mentor?
1: So I have such a passion for um, entrepreneurship. Sure. Um, I absolutely love the avenues that, you know, I, I've loved the journey with all of its, you know, good, bad and ugly. Um <laughs> But I've loved the journey of being an entrepreneur. And I think that, you know, my opportunity came about, I moved into a new community, um, and I absolutely love the community. And they've got some really innovative youth startup company programs. And so um, they were looking for mentors. So I, you know, I sent my bio and I said, hey, I'm really passionate about this. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm in my 10th year of business myself, of which I founded. You know, I pioneered this idea. Um, because nothing like what I do kind of exists
2: sure. uh,
1: as its own entity. So um, I thought I'd really like to get involved, and I'd like to volunteer my time. So it is purely volunteer, nice. and I mentor up to, at any one given time, anywhere from four to ten mentees, young businesses, um, who are basically starting up, you know, different like a variety of businesses ranging from canine academies to uh microbreweries to live aquarium retail stores and and these kids you know i say kids because some of them are as young as 15 years old
2: That's awesome. um
1: and some of them are you know 33 or 35 years old sure so yeah it's pretty awesome um And my role as their mentor is we meet at least once a month. That's part of their mandate or more, which is usually more. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, And we get together and talk about what their plan is, what their vision is, and I help them nurture that. And I absolutely love that because there's nothing more, there's nothing cooler than seeing the energy of that kind of vibe. It's pretty cool. I wish I could do that full time.
2: (laughs) Maybe one day, right? (laughs) At
1: this point. Yeah, one day. When I'm retired, if I ever retire, which probably isn't going to happen. But yeah, I love the mentorship role. And I think that it's so great to be able to empower these kids. I'm also a a certified um, adult educator. So for me, the teaching component is so, I mean, it's my, I love teaching. It's the advocacy part is me that I absolutely love. Um, that's my favorite part of my role as an entrepreneur, for sure.
0: No, that's Teaching a, others. No, that's great. So I, I kind of yeah. want to go back to the accessibility thing for a second. Is there a bunch of things that kind of maybe not, like maybe not necessarily people that are, are building kind of software or kind of hardware, but is there kind of things that the average person that maybe doesn't, you know, think about this stuff on a day-to-day basis that you could maybe mention that they should maybe pay attention to or or start thinking about just kind of almost just kind Mm. of better off themselves and kind of understand where some people are kind of coming from that, you know, kind of just bring some awareness of some things that maybe people don't think about on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah. Accessibility is critical. The biggest, um, the biggest, thing I would say with regards to accessibility is not the bricks and mortar of buildings Um, and and not even necessarily the recent, which is here in Ontario of course, not necessarily everywhere but what we have here is the AODA, right? It's the Ontario Disabilities Act there's something similar in every province in the country Um, that revolves mostly around compliance the stuff that I'm working on is more around the psychosocial needs So how do we identify as a small business, let's say, um, the evolving needs of my customers? How do I know that when Mrs. Smith comes in at 90 years old and she gives me five cents instead of 10 cents, that she's experiencing possibly some dementia? And how do I redirect out of that when she's struggling? Like, how do I engage her effectively? Right. So with regards to people who are getting possibly involved in the tech component of accessibility... um, Yeah, I really see it as necessary as people addressing the emotional, psychosocial needs of these changes in the community from an accessibility perspective, if that makes sense. No,
0: I I think that makes sense, because part of me, like, I guess I see it as a lot of kind of maybe older people sometimes, maybe they've never had a computer and their first kind of interaction with the internet might be through, like, say, an iPad or, you know, they, like, FaceTime with their grandkids and... Um, you yeah. know, like my kids, obviously grandparents and whatnot, they, they both FaceTime sometimes. And, um, my kids are fortunate enough that my, all their grandparents kind of live around, like in the city, but um, oh, nice. sometimes they travel yeah. to, cause they have a lake lot in, in another province. But so they still kind of FaceTime, but it's interesting just to kind of watch different age groups interact with technology and kind of how some things that you're just like are so simple can be such a challenge to somebody that maybe doesn't come from a tech background or the internet's kind of their, you know, their first device was maybe an iPhone or an iPad or or both. Right. And so,
1: yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And here's the other thing. I don't know there. I also did some mentoring and I take in a lot of students mm -hmm. who um, are working on their, final um, year in software engineering. Oh, interesting. Um, and so sometimes, like, that's actually how we had our, our app developed was a small group from the Capstone Project. Nice. And they were responsible for creating the app. They picked us. We, we had to submit sort of what we wanted them to do.
2: Right. And
1: um, they picked sort of our, our goal because they loved what we were trying to, to create in terms of programs that were accessible to these, this particular clientele, right? And their families.
2: Sure.
1: So they developed the app for us, like utilizing students' expertise around that. And then I kind of mentored them with respect to this part of the business because they're real, they're techie, yeah. but they're not necessarily in the healthcare world, right? So they're like, well, I can build this for you, but like, what's it going to do? How's it going to help people? Sure. So I would suggest, yeah, I mean, we need more accessible programs, meaning that we need things to be accessible on the computer or otherwise for people and their families. But but a lot of families, like if we could create something for their families, caregivers themselves,
2: sure.
1: to access, to help navigate systems, to help identify structure, um, because we have a lot of families that act out of crisis too, right? And once you're in crisis, you don't remember step one, two, and three, right? Sure. You just need to know how to get to, to, to step three. <laughs> and, and it's, they're going through so much at the same time that they don't, know, they don't remember. So if somebody could create something like that, technology wise, where a user could actually click in, you know, to a program and sure. say, Hey, this is what's going on with me. And it kind of spits out the answer based on where they live, you know, what their options might be, how to navigate the system. That would be incredible.
0: That's interesting
1: just throwing it out there no, to I, you. maybe you I, I don't know <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think
0: that's that's interesting right because yeah but, but that's partly why I really wanted to have you on the show is to get people kind of thinking in that space right because I, I think yeah like a lot of people and not necessarily just young people they're like they want to be the next like snapchat for example right and it's like well mm-hmm. sure you're, you're basically just building a distraction app it's not it's not really making your life better or lives of other people better. Right. Like it's just filling time yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't mean it in like a negative way, but I like having people on the show like yourself that are, you know, actually trying to help people. Right? And yeah. So it, and yeah. And just right. kind of like, is if just this show can inspire somebody to think like, you know what, like, yeah, my grandparents struggle with this thing and you know, yeah, I could build a little app that, did this or that, and you know, it would help. Like, I think that that would be awesome, right? I think that would be yeah, great,
1: absolutely, definitely, definitely. Well, and I'd love to be involved if, if, uh, if you know, what any of your listeners or, or yourself or however this works out, definitely. Because that's have you heard of like dementia hacks and things like that? Have you heard of the big hack fests at no. all? Do you have those no. in, in Alberta? Okay, so here in Ontario, we have these amazing things called Hacker Nest, okay. and Hacker Nest. Okay. Um, changes to different topics so we recently just had dementia hack and and dementia hack is a bunch of um software students uh i don't know the technical terms sorry that's totally out of my realm um but basically they come together they have they they sign up they volunteer their time it's three days of basically not no sleep and all but create um, and for the dementia hack, it was building tools for caregivers to use. And at the end of the dementia hack, somebody wins. But the, there's a panel of judges that helps decide who wins. And whoever wins gets a bunch of money to then further their app development specifically to what they were competing for in the dementia hack. But there's also like other hacks, like there's like autism hack and there was a uh, Okay, it's not coming to me now. But th- th- so they're hosting these. So Hacker Nest is the company, okay, and they're based. They're Canadian, and um, they're they're hosting these different hacks around the world. That's awesome. Um, and bringing out all kinds of people to create new technology-based solutions. Yeah, it's Sh- pretty awesome.
0: No, that's that's really great. But sadly, yeah. We were so coming- I was a mentor oh, for ahead, that sorry. too. Yeah. Go no,
1: ahead. no. So I was a mentor for that as well, oh, okay. and helped yeah. them build ideas as to what they should build. Um, so, yeah, definitely would get involved with more of that.
0: No, that's, that's great. But sadly, we're coming to the end of the show. So let's maybe close right. with where people can get more information about yourself and the company online.
1: Sure. So our website is full of great information. It's www.recrespite.com. So it's R-E-C-R-E-S as in Sam, P for Peter, I-T-E.com.
0: Perfect Amy. Well, I really appreciate taking the time yeah. of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day.
1: Thanks Kevin.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye.
1: Take care. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. The music for the show was done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and we'll keep them in the future.